Thank you for checking out our podcast today. We hope that the teaching you're about to hear would inspire you and motivate you on your incredible journey in becoming a better you. So please turn your attention to today's message. Don't give up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Here we go. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for, for, for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Continue. That is why we, 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 we never give up. Though our bodies are, our bodies are, our spirits are being renewed when? Every day. For our present troubles are and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Now, what we have here, guys, is an excerpt or a few lines um, of a second letter that Paul had written to this particular church that he had started during one of his missionary trips to Corinth. And uh, the remains of that ancient city still lies about 50 miles west of Athens in Greece. And Paul... Uh, wasn't at as close as he wanted to. He wasn't as um, at close proximity to personally care for this particular church that he had started and address the doctrinal issues, governmental issues, uh, issues on the day-to-day challenges that they were experiencing. So he depended on letters, on letters that he would pen and send with his followers or maybe one or two of them and um, they would go out and then they would have a speaker that would read aloud these letters. It was almost like a company or an organizational email that we have today. Uh, Typically during the week, I'll reach out to Miriam. Uh, I'll tell Miriam, hey Miriam, these are some notes, something that I would like to send out to everybody. Can you send that out for me? And Miriam, of course, uh, she'll send it out to everybody and it comes from my behalf. Well, this is what Paul is doing, except it's not through the internet. It's, it's not online. It's not with the convenience um, of sending something uh, as easy as a text. Literally, literally, someone had to physically grab the letters and then get out there. And, um, and this is what this letter is. And to this church in particular, Paul is addressing social, governmental, and religious troubles that were surrounding them and that they were experiencing during that time. Christianity during this period is a very new faith. It's a new religion in a land that had, you know, uh, they were already saturated with many, many religions. And Christianity is the new one. It's the new religion, the new faith. And Christianity as a new religion, it wasn't a popular one. 
It was quite new. It seemed that if you were a Christian during that time, your life, the livelihood of your children and your family and those that you love, if you were a Christian, your life could be at stake. So because Paul could not be there in close proximity with this church in Corinth all of the time, the church had slipped into some questionable behaviors. They were believing certain doctrines and teachings from others um, aside of Paul. So Paul was writing this letter that we just finished uh, reading, these verses. He had some simple uh, but very practical instructions that I feel are still quite relevant for some of this stuff we the church here at Scarlet Note or here in the United States or wherever you may be, may be experiencing. If we look around us, we look at our current climate in our country and in the world, one can easily deduce that in 2021, we too can use more than ever the encouraging practical words that Paul shared with this church in Corinth. I don't know about you, but it breaks my heart that bigotry, hate, and prejudice we see against our black, brown, and even Asian brothers and sisters in this country has, it's creating a wedge, a wedge in many communities that will call themselves the church of God. I've, I've heard many Christians say things like, we are true Christian patriots. Or I've heard Christians say, I stand on the side of my people. I stand on the side of my country and my race or my culture. And this polarization, as we hear, is seeping into many of our churches. And many churches, depending on where they are geographically in our country, have a different and have walked away from the standards and they have been influenced by the cultural and social environment in that area. And I want to tell you something and I want to tell you this. I'm asking you to hear me good. Don't hear me well. I want you to hear me good. No man and no woman that calls themselves a Christian, a follower of Jesus, one who follows the disciplines of our master, the teachings can ever do the unimaginable things that races people can do. The heart and the conscience of Jesus in us by way of his spirit will never allow us to entertain such vile and repugnant actions against anyone regardless of race, ethnicity, and or gender. But over and over, it's become a common practice. And the scary and heartbreaking part is that it's seeping and breaking into many of our churches when we say that we love Jesus 
and we love God, we have then the burden to love in the same way that Jesus loves and in the same way that God loves. Our love for Jesus is always, always demonstrated in our love for what Jesus loves and who Jesus loves. First John, let's read this with me, chapter four. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a what? Liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Paul knew that the cultural climate of that time was having an adverse effect in that church. And because he wasn't at close proximity, he has to send out these letters. Paul knew that they needed guidance in how to navigate the rocky terrain of the social climate in that time. So Paul gave them four things that I want to give you today. The very first one is an easy one. The very first one is an easy one. What is it? What is it? What is it? Come on, say it out loud. Never give up. Never give up. For those that are watching online, never give up. Write it down, down on your comments below. Never give up. Come on, Jada, say it out loud. There you go. <laughs> You're going to get an extra chicken wing today. <laughs> now, the never give up here that Paul is writing about, it's not a cry or an inspiring plea to never give up on your diet or never give up on your career pursuit or never give up on your uh, pursuit of wealth or never give up on uh, everything that brings you joy. No, the never give up here that Paul is talking about is never give up on God. Never give up on God. You know that when things get tough, we give up on God. Let me, let me say that again. When things get tough, we give up on God. We give up on our faith. We give up on the things of God. We turn our backs on everything God. When things get tough, when challenges come our way, many of us turn away from the direction of God instead of when we're experiencing hardship to turn into his way, his direction. So the first one is never give up. Now the second one, it's also married with this one. Because Paul said that our bodies are dying daily. Our spirits are being renewed every day. So number two, your physical body is doing one thing all the while your spirit is doing another. And as we have been talking about heaven the entire month, the entire month we've been talking about heaven, I want you to understand that there are two things that are happening in your daily life. Your bodies 
are dying daily while at the same time your spirit is being renewed. No amount of dieting, creams, powders, supplements, exercise can add an additional day to what God has already determined for you. I don't mean to throw away your planet fitness card. It's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but you're not going to be able to out-exercise your expiration date. Or, uh, let me say that again. You're not going to be able to out-exercise your expiration date. No matter how hard you work out or how hard you diet. Sometimes we can get so carried away with the way we look on the outside, while at the same time, the inside is rotting away. Because we're not making any internal investments for the things of the spirit. Everything is about what makes me feel good and look good. More and more, we are running into a culture that invests in the things that externally, externally impact the body, while at the same time neglecting and ignoring what's happening internally to the body. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. These are Jesus' words. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Many of us are far more worried about how the world sees us or how we look to our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok followers. We neglect the eyes of the one who can see into the depth of our heart. This is what we care about. Oh, I have, I have a thousand followers. I have 30,000 followers because I'm that great. I'm that wonderful. And every day you live on earth is another day that your spirit outpaces your body. Every day that you are on earth, your spirit outpaces your body. No matter how cute you think you are. So make a commitment starting today to have a regimen for your spiritual growth or equal or more, of equal or more value. Design a regimen daily just like you do with your workout, just like you do with your business, just like you do with your career, that you are putting together a regimen that daily I'm going to pursue God and never give up on God especially during times of hardship because my spirit is outpacing my body. Paul is talking to this church and he wants to encourage them and he gives them these four things. So number two, 
We are investing. We want you invest in ways that your spirit can continue to grow. You can't depend on the church to do it for you. Well, the church doesn't offer that, so then I can't do it. The church don't offer prayer, so then I can't pray midweek. There is no Bible study at the church, so then I can't, I can't do that. And I've told you this before. The church alone on Sundays can't sustain you. It cannot sustain you, but it's a good start. Let me say that again. Attending church service on Sunday can't sustain you, but it's still a good start. It's a good place to start. I've said this before, but I want you to, I, I, this, is, this has been something that's helped me um, not negotiate my Sundays. This has helped me to say on Sunday, I will pause in everything that I do. And one day a week, just one day a week, I'm going to pause and I'm going to think about my walk with God, about my spiritual investments, about what my spirit and my soul is doing at least once a week. Did you know that if you go to church, well, put that number up for me. Our typical services our typical services on a Sunday are an hour, David, are about what? An hour, hour and a half, okay? An hour and a half. Don't go more than that, David. Hour and a half. <laughs> Sometimes we're less. There are times where I get inspired and I could go just a little more. But typically, here in Scarlet Note, our church services are an hour and a half. An hour and a half, if you attended every service on Sundays for an entire year, which you don't. And we know you don't. And you know you don't. But if you did, that would equal to what? 78 hours in a year. For the entire year. Oh, it gets better. If you grab those 78 hours, and you divide it by 24 hours, this is your investment every year. Boom. 3.25 days out of your 365 days, this is your commitment to coming to church. Can your spirit be sustained and grow and outpace your body with only a three-day commitment. Everybody online just dropped. Look, boom, 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 boom. Everybody online just dropped. Just dropped. Just run into a church. <laughs> three days. Three. Think about that. I, I pastor, I can't. I'm just so busy. I can't. You know, I'm like, damn it. And I'm like going, it's your business, it's your body, it's your spirit. Hey, my, I got nothing to do. I didn't die for you. I'll never die for you. I love you, but I didn't die for you. By no means think that I'm trying to give you a guilt trip, but I'm just trying to create an awareness. We could take that number down. That's 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 hard. To... <laughs> It's, it's, it's what are we doing to outpace the body? 
you're all wrapped up in your feelings and how somebody offended you. All wrapped up and losing days and losing time and your spirit is trying to drag your big body around. Dying body. Dead weight. Don't talk to me about your health while your heart is rotting. Look how healthy I am, Pastor. Look how good I look. Yeah, talk to me about what's inside. Don't, don't talk to me about your career achievements while your family has turned their backs on God, on your watch. Yours. Look how well my children are doing, Pastor. Look at their achievements. Look, 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 look at everything they've accomplished. What good, Jesus said, is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose their soul? Don't talk to me about your work ethic and your discipline, but you yourself refuse to be involved in the work that adds value to the kingdom. Talk to me about your investments and your credit and your stocks and your generosity in your home church. Very shady and questionable. What are we doing to outpace the body? What are we doing? Pastor, I got four degrees. I don't care. Where's your soul? What's your soul doing? What are you doing for the spirit? There's a lot to do so that we could grow our spirit in proportion. Hey, man, tomorrow, pray at home. Pause. Take, take, take 10 minutes and take a moment and pray for your children. Pray for your wife. Pray for your husband. Turn off social media a little. Turn it off. You don't have to do it all day. Just, just turn it off just a little. Pray and read. Take 10 minutes and read. People don't read Bible anymore. They just, just little excerpts that they get online. And sometimes it's not even a complete version of a, of a verse. And, and that's what we run with. And that's what we're feeding our spirit. Man, listen, I challenge you on Monday to feel your, to fill your home with the presence of God Almighty. You can do this on a Monday at home. No pastor around, no worship team. You can do it in your home. I, I tell Becky all, I tell Becky all the time. You know, uh, there there are times where I just I just feel God's presence moving about in my home. My son walked into the house the other day, and 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 we were not even there in the house. And he said, "Oh my goodness, it felt like I just walked into Jurassic Park because it was there was music in the background and and the environment in the house. Listen, it's creating an atmosphere that says you are welcome into my home, Lord." You are welcome into my home, Holy Spirit. You are welcome into everything that I do. And you can do it on Monday. You can do it on Tuesday. You can, Listen, and you don't need me to be part of that. Because I don't want to be part of that. It's your home, your responsibility, your obligation, not mine. I know what I will say to the Lord when I see him face to face in heaven. When I have to face him and give him an account 
in the heavens for what he has given me. I'm going to say, you gave me this. Look what I did. You gave me this. Look what I did. You gave me this. Look what I've done. That is my responsibility. It's what I believe as a Christian. That God has given me some things that I'm responsible for. Y'all want me to get to step number three? Point number three, let me get to point number three. All right. No matter how great your current situation may seem, no matter how great, how hard, how tough your current situation may be, the hope of what's ahead towers your trouble. And some people need to hear this. I don't know what you're experiencing, those that are watching online. I don't know what challenges you are experiencing. I'm telling you that, that Paul, in speaking to this church, was reminding this church afar, at a distance, no matter how great your current situation may seem, the hope of what's ahead towers your trouble. You know, he said that our present troubles are small. Think about this. I don't know what your hardship is, but Paul said whatever you're going through is small and won't last very long. Now, Paul calls our current struggles small in comparison to what is ahead. He isn't saying that what we're experiencing isn't great and doesn't hurt. That's not what Paul is saying, and I'm not saying the same thing. No, I'm not saying that. Because we go through things that hurt all the time. Am I lying? There is some stuff that we go through that makes us question God's existence. Yes or no? Yes. But what Paul is saying is that as hard as this hardship is, there is still something greater than the hardship that you're experiencing. Paul wants us to keep our gaze on what's ahead of the suffering. That way we may experience in the here and now, just what we're experiencing, it's small in comparison to the grandiosity of what's ahead, to the grandeur of what's ahead. Do we have children of God Almighty here? Do we? Do we? Do we? Do we? Okay. Well, the encouragement that he has given his children is that even if your life circumstance, your trial, your challenge will last 50, 60, 70 years, that amount of time, that suffering will be dwarfed by living in our heavenly Father's glory eternally. Think about that. Paul doesn't encourage from a place of wishful thinking or wishful faith. Paul's encouragement to this particular church comes from a place of experience. He himself wasn't foreign to suffering. Let's read what happens in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He wrote this. This is Paul writing. We think that you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble that we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought that we would never live through it. Next. 
In fact, we expected to die. That's how bad things got for him. But, somebody say but. As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. Listen, then he says, verse 10, and he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our, our, our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. That's good news. You should clap for that. Paul wanted the church in Corinth to know then, and he wants us to know today that what he is prescribing for us works for him. He wants us to know, listen, this works. Try it. Take your confidence away from your strength, away from your investments, away from your achievements. Take your confidence off of those things. Put your confidence in me. And even if you think you're dying, I will rescue you. God will rescue you. That's encouraging. Verse four, I'm sorry, point number four. This is what he says. Last point, fix your sight not on what your eyes see to be true, but on what you know as truth. And this is why we have to make investments into our spirit. It's because there are things that your eyes can see that will consistently deceive you. Listen, consistently deceive you, while at the same time, there is stuff that's happening in the supernatural all around you, all around you, making a way for you, uh, bringing resolution, um, answers. All of these things are happening all around you right now, even when you can't see them. My confidence, my faith, my hope is in the truth that I know, not in the truth that my eyes can see. Are you understanding that? The things that my eyes can see will often deceive. So I need to hold on to the truth that I know. I've said this before many times. I don't do well in traffic. In fact, if Becky and I have often found ourselves at odds with each other in the last 31 years of marriage, it will always be about my driving. We could go to farmer's market and literally have an argument about my driving. We can go to Walmart and we will argue about my driving. My driving is a constant issue in our marriage. Nothing else. I can't wait to buy a Tesla so that the Tesla can do the driving and you could argue with Mr. Tesla himself. But Becky is constantly pressing brakes. She's shifting lanes. She's giving an excuse for what other drivers are doing. I constantly try to beat her to it, and I ask her, so honey, what's going on? Four cars ahead. Oh, they're they're just late for an appointment, and what's happening is they're a little lost because they're not from this part of the county, and I'm like, baby, you're borderline crazy. (laughs) And I'm often, I get frustrated in traffic, and, and I don't know if that happens to you 
all. But listen, then I have to come to the realization when I get to the reason of a traffic jam, it's usually because there was a fatal accident or something or something that was being done for preventative maintenance for the betterment of my driving experience. See, I just couldn't see it because the traffic jam is frustrating, but I can't see it, but it's ahead of me. And it's not until I get to the point of when I see it that then I bring myself to the realization like, oh, wow. And I turn to back and I go, honey, I'm so sorry. And we, we often do that. We'll pray for people as, or we'll pray for those rescuers that are out there. And sometimes the traffic jam has to do with this stuff. And, and in the same way, my, my point here is that we don't often consider the reasoning for the traffic jams in our life until we see with our own eyes what God is doing for us. Paul is telling this church, don't give up. Don't give up on the one who's working out all of the kinks ahead of your situation. Don't give up. Especially don't give up on God. Contrary to what we see in a lot of inspirational movies, giving up is an option. Giving up is an option. Many times we give up, especially, especially when we're just a day or two days to, to what God is about to give you to your turning point, to your breaking point, to the tipping point. We give up when things get tough. Last week, I emphasized this point that hope is the expectancy of what we know to be true. It's not my faith, it's my hope. Death isn't where my life ends, but it's where I truly begin to live. All month, I've tried to bring an awareness to the topic of heaven. Seriously, how, how many have paid attention to what we've been talking about this month in particular? How many? I've heard that there have been some hard questions at home from your children. Children, go home and quiz your parents. It is your right. They need to do homework too. Okay, kids, you hear me? Your parents have homework from church that the pastor has given them. So you ask some questions when you get home. What did the pastor say? What were the points? Did you read? <laughs> and on and on. But listen, Paul tells us we ought to fix our eyes on the things that we don't see. On the things that we don't see. Because the things that we don't see are what? Eternal. My dad passed away 14 years ago. Um, he was 57 when he passed away, very young. And um, seven years ago, my mother passed away. And um, in fact, mom just celebrated 66th birthday. Where's Jemida? Jemida's here, my sister? Okay, yeah. So she's, my, my mom just celebrated on the 21st of April. She would have been 66. 66 years old. I miss them immensely. I think about them. My best friends, my buddies. Becky knows how much there's, 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 I constantly speak about a void that I have here, an emptiness that can't be filled. I often find myself when I'm alone, I, 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 I weep. If I'm driving, I think about my parents constantly. Sometimes I've had to pull over and put my head over the steering wheel and go, Lord, it, it makes no sense. Why did you, why were they taking so long? 
You know what sustains me? The hope, the hope, the hope of spending an eternity beyond this world. An, an eternity beyond what my eyes can see. Beyond what my head can, can comprehend and wrap my head around. I remember my father talking, talking to me about eternity and talking to me about the eternal glory of heaven. I never understood it, Pop. That's a boring topic. And not a day goes by that I drive and I gaze into the heavens and think about that eternal experience. But if we're not making investments for our spirit because our body is outpacing our spirit and, and what we're doing in our spiritual investments, listen, we have a whole generation behind us that are living with no hope. We are not to grieve like people that have no hope. I have hope. We have been given a hope. This is what sustains me. You know, the author of the God Delusion and former Oxford professor Richard Dawkins said during a uh, CBC interview a few years back, these were his words. These were his words. I think that it is irrational to allow your life to be governed by faith which is based upon or in something other than evidence. To that I say, I agree on the part of faith. It's irrational that's all I have is faith. But as Christians, stand to your feet. As Christians, our lives are not governed by faith alone, but it is a faith that is sustained by the hope we have in Jesus. That is our hope. That is truly what heaven is all about. I want you to close your eyes right there where you are. Come Thank on. you again for checking out our podcast. If you would like to find information about who we are or how to donate so that we can keep doing what we're doing, please check us out at www.scarletnote.org. See you next time.